Hello, I'm Jennifer Watts. I'm a friend who likes having friends. Welcome to You Too, Me Too, a podcast where we talk about friendships, the hows and whys we connect, and you might even discover a friendship challenge you'd like to try. Thanks for listening. I'm going to start with going back to something I was talking about in episode two, and that was Dunbar's number, which, if you remember, was the theory that um, humans have a capacity biologically um, of having up to about 150 friends. Um, I didn't talk about the practical application of Dunbar's number, and that was the part I was most excited about. Uh, So I just wanted to share those now. Um, Once I learned about Dunbar's number and the fact that there was a limit, it helped me with um, my expectations of myself, um, with how many names and uh, details I could remember about people. And I'll give you an example. I used to walk into the church lobby on Sunday mornings. And, you know, there's about 400 people that go to our church. And I remember... Uh, being frustrated with myself numerous times that I wasn't remembering all of their names and the details about them. I thought it was because I wasn't trying hard enough to remember them. Uh, But the idea that there's a limit um, sort of took the pressure off (laughs) that maybe just biologically I was at my max. Uh, So that was one way I appreciated Dunbar's number. Um, Also, uh, Dunbar talks about the 150 or so being fluid that in fact some friendships are seasonal that as some friendships fade away other ones come in and um, that also uh, helped me not be so hard on myself when I couldn't remember the name of a co-worker friend from a job that I wasn't at for the last two years. I'd run into them in the mall and be disappointed in myself for not remembering their name. And uh, again, um, they had sort of faded out of my 150 maybe, and maybe I had some new ones in there from the new job. Um, I just thought it was an interesting theory to think about in that context. And the third and final way Dunbar's numbers struck me was that if in fact I have this approximately 150 capacity. Then I wanted to do 150 friendships well and not spread myself amongst all the people, all the invitations or all the ideas of different gatherings, but instead to have a rich 150 and, um, yeah, and not worry so much about trying to manage more than that. I found it really interesting. Um, So thanks. Thanks for letting me update my thoughts on that one. This is the portion of the podcast where I share about some interesting study or information about friendship. And I'm really excited today to talk about a book uh, that I read that's called The Art of Gathering, How We Meet and Why It Matters by Priya Parker. I'm going to read from the jacket of the book just to give you a little taste of it. In The Art of Gathering, Priya Parker argues that gatherings in our lives are lackluster and unproductive, which they don't have to be. We rely too much on routine and the convention of gatherings when we should focus on distinctiveness and the people involved. At a time when coming together is more important than ever, 
Parker sets forth a human-centered approach to gathering that will help everyone create meaningful, memorable experiences, large and small, for work and for play. So I read this book really keen to hear about um, what she had to say about how to improve um, smaller personal gatherings, uh, which we might do with our friends. And of course, um, I know this is a time of the COVID pandemic, uh, and some of these um, ideas might not be applicable to gatherings online, but I also think some of them can be used when we gather with others in our group sessions on Zoom or FaceTime. Um, Anyway, I'm going to share some with you. You know, you've been to gatherings, parties, picnics, and um, usually there's a host. But sometimes the host sort of abdicates their position and uh, becomes what she, uh, she talks about as being a chill host. A host that sort of, you know, provides the basics, has you come in, and then hopes the gathering will be a success. So she talks about how you need to embrace the role of the host and really claim it that nobody likes to be on a rudderless ship that's my example but um you know we all enjoy a gathering better with a little bit of uh uh guidance from the host so she talks about um three things a quality host does one is protect your guests two is equalize your guests and three is connect your guests she says protecting your guests uh, involves doing small, almost unnoticeable interventions throughout the gathering. Um, you protect them from things like embarrassment by telling them where to put their coat, where the bathrooms are, maybe offering a seat. You protect them from one another, so you'll go and rescue a guest uh, from a long-winded one who's trapped them in the corner. Um, you protect them from boredom, by having some fun planned, some interactive conversation starters. A host that is embracing the host role also will work to equalize their guests. So because some gatherings will have a mix of people in different careers, different levels of income, different cultures from different parts of the city, uh, different stages in life, Uh, She gives some ideas of um, how to equalize your guests. Um, One would be name tags. First name only on the name tags if you're using them. Uh, Don't use career or prestige or formal labels in introductions. Just go by first names. Ahead of time on the invite, make sure you say no shop talk. Um, Also, If you see a cluster of uh, friends getting together in one area, maybe they're friends that know each other uh, that want to get together and chat, Um, be the host and split them up. Introduce the new ones into the mix. And yeah, don't hesitate to let them know they can catch up on their own time. (laughs) I liked that suggestion. The third thing that a good host does is they connect their guests. Depending on the guests, connection might not happen on its own. So a quality host has designed their gathering for the kinds of connection they want. 
I loved some of her ideas and I added a couple of my own uh, to make connections. Introduce, introduce, introduce. Have an intro question for the guests to ask each other. Um, have a way of connecting as they transition from space to space. So if they're moving from outside to inside, have another way to make them connect. If they're going from the living room to the dining room, change the seating. And maybe just point out things they have in common. Um, and definitely give everyone a chance to talk. And you might, as the host, have to do that gently. Direct it or you're not going to hear from some. So that's the part I was going to share about The Art of Gathering, How We Meet and Why It Matters by Priya Parker. There was so much more interesting stuff in this book. Um, it really encouraged me to have fun with um, planning gatherings and really thinking ahead about what's the purpose of the gathering, how to end it well, uh, and ideas from other places. I'd highly recommend reading this book. Now we're going to hear from one of my friends. Her name's Jeannie, and I asked her if she could tell us about one of the events that she's organized to have host with her friends. And I'm really grateful she went on to tell me about three, because she is a planner, and her events are always fun. Please excuse the rough sound of the audio. I could not uh, edit it the way I wanted to, but um, once you're past that, you'll enjoy what Jeannie has to say. Thanks. I don't think I could pick just one event, Jen, that I organize for friends. I like to believe that I'm known among my friends for my events and gatherings. Uh, it's something I enjoy doing for my friends. Um, so I'm going to tell you about a few of them. Uh, when I returned from Italy after living there for a couple of years, I started hosting an annual Italian dinner. I would cook some of my favorite Italian dishes, and uh, I think the smallest dinner was about 12 people, and the largest was 18 around the table. So a true Italian dinner, good company, good food, and some wine. Uh, another event that is fun is birthdays. My husband and I are a week apart with our birthday, so we celebrate together. Uh, we have some backyard fun uh, because we are some birthdays, so makes it easier to host a larger event. Um, we've had Mexican fiesta theme. We've had a luau. Uh, we've had a pirate party. Uh, we Dressing up is very much encouraged. Uh, we decorate the backyard in the theme. And a bunch of my friends have younger people, so I arrange for some games and treasure hunts or a piñata. I think we had a walking the plank in the backyard one year, too. Um, so that's one of the other ones that I tend to do. And another thing I like to do is I like to organize scavenger hunts for visiting friends and family. Uh, it's a fun way to explore the city and something to do when you're not always sure what to do uh, with your guests. Um, I've also written um, 
let's see, I wrote a spy mission for a friend who was down about Valentine's Day. She didn't have a bow at the time. And so I wrote um, all of our Operation Oliver, uh, which was to encourage her to get out and meet someone, or at the very least, make her smile. Um, and I guess that's really why I enjoy doing all these events, is I just like to make people smile, my friends, and encourage having fun together. So that is what I do for my friends. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Jeannie, for your fun ideas. Love ya. Now here's the section where I share a few ideas to do with friends, and maybe you try one of them yourself um, with your friends. I thought about um, the current situation with the COVID pandemic, and a couple of these I think are uh, good ones to do uh, while you're self-isolating, uh, but also <laughs> be fun to do uh, with your friends when everything settles down. Um, one is grow your own victory garden. So uh, in World War One, the British government encouraged its citizens to plant and tend their own gardens, particularly ones that um, grew food. And that was, of course, to help ease the food shortage but they also knew that it would be a reminder that life goes on and help to ease anxiety um so do that plant something watch it grow take care of it and maybe if you grow some vegetables you gather them and hang them in a bag on the doorknob of your friend uh on their house um <laughs> then another idea is to uh, do an exercise that you post and share with your friends. There was a fellow that apparently ran a marathon in his backyard during this uh, isolation time. And he mapped out in his yard the exact route he needed to run, how many times he needed to run it to equal a marathon. And his family took pictures and videos as he was doing this marathon, posted it to friends. He got lots of encouragement from them. And other friends in response started to do um, races or marathons or sit-up challenges, that kind of thing, um, to share with each other. I thought that was a great idea. Um, and then the third idea is to watch a movie with friends. I have uh, three girlfriends who together decided on a movie that they wanted to watch and they each watched the movie in their own home on their own TVs but um, they set it up so that they chatted to each other had a designated time to start started at the same time and then they basically live texted each other throughout the movie I thought that was a really fun way to watch a show so try one of those try something like that I think you might enjoy them and tell me about it if you do well, that's it for episode three. This has been You Too, Me Too, and I'm Jennifer Watts. You can find me at Instagram uh, at too. I'd love to hear if you tried any of the challenges. Um, I'll post a picture of me as a pirate at one of Jeannie's pirate parties. Um, and thanks for being a friend.
Ugh, what am I saying?